0: You're listening to the Westchester Podcast, an official podcast of the New York City Church of Christ. That we can not only just live in Christ, but we can thrive in Christ. And I pray you'd be with us today, that you would speak to our hearts and help us to see how we can be more like Jesus. If we're not in Christ, uh, Father, to move closer to making Him the Lord and Savior of our lives. Bless our time together today, in Jesus' name, Amen. And so I decided that our message today would be how to keep your thrive alive, part two. That we will we will we will discuss that because the conference was truly outstanding, and you want to make sure you make the most of uh, a moments like that. Uh, we had more than four thousand disciples uh who were there for the conference. It was a very inspiring time and it was a spiritual high for so many. Uh, but oftentimes uh after you reach a spiritual high, uh you have to be careful because Satan will come in and take you to a spiritual low. And so we want to wanna see how we can keep our thrive alive and really our example here is Jesus. Jesus tells us how we can keep on thriving in our spiritual lives. How we can sustain a spiritual relationship with God. How we can put into practice Romans 12 where the Bible says, keep your spiritual fervor. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. That's a challenging passage. But it can be done in Christ But there's some things that we have to do, and and the things that we have to do, I have to confess, they're not easy, but they can be done. You look at the life of Jesus. Jesus never faltered. He never had what you would call a bad day. He had some trying days. He never detoured from his course. He never stopped thriving. He never stopped having a heart and mind that was set on God. He was always zealous. Uh, he never gave in to uh, bitterness or anger or resentment. And, you know, I ask myself, how did he do this? I mean, he, he was human like us, even though we know that he was also God. And yet he came to show us that every day, every month, every year, we can grow. We can become more and more like Him, and as Jim talked about last week, we can be transformed into Christ's image. But I'm here to tell you, it ain't easy. And it's, it's something that we all struggle with. Baptism is just the beginning. The real work comes after you come up out of the water. That's when you have to really uh, focus and set your heart and mind on Jesus. So, how do you do it? How do you do it? Well, here's a great scripture for us. John chapter 12, verses 23 through 26. And we won't read all of it, but this is what this is what most of it says. It says, Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, he remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And here's the main point of our message today. To keep thriving, you have to keep dying. To keep thriving, you have to keep dying. And Jesus tells us here, he gives us a a marvelous example here, metaphor, whatever you want to call it, as to how we can keep our thrive alive. Jesus knew that he came to give God glory. And yet we we understand that at the end the people were saying crucify, crucify him. But really what they didn't realize is what they were really saying was glorify him, glorify him. Because it was in his death that he was glorified. And it was through his dying that we were given life. And it's because Jesus died to himself, his will, his ways, his feelings, his emotions every day that He kept on thriving. We stop thriving when we refuse to die to ourselves. To die to our sinful nature. But if we do so, if we make the, the decision, if we decide, as this kernel of wheat here, that, that if we decide that, that we're going to die, Jesus says the potential is unbelievable. Unbelievable. That if you, if that kernel of wheat, that that one kernel of wheat dies, it can produce and reproduce and and over and over again. And you think about the life of Jesus. More books have been written about Jesus than about any other person in history. Even though we don't have a photo or, 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 or accurate image of him except his life. Nations have used his words as the bedrock of their governments. His Sermon on the Mount established a new paradigm in ethics and morals. Schools, hospitals, and humanitarian works have been founded in his name. Over 100 great universities, including Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Dartmouth, Columbia, and Oxford, were begun by his followers. Many of them have forgotten that, but that's where it began. The elevated role of women in Western cultures traces its roots back to Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth has been the dominant figure in the history of Western culture for almost 20 centuries. And it's from his birth that most of the human race dates its calendars. And we are here today because Jesus died and was rose again. Napoleon said this, I know men. I tell you that Jesus Christ is no mere man. Between him and every person in the world, there's no possible term of comparison. Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne and I have founded empires. But on what did we rest the creations of our genius upon force. Jesus Christ founded his empire upon love. And at this hour millions of men would die for him. And and really it's not the physical death that Jesus wants. It's the dying to our sinful nature and to ourselves. That he really wants. But because of what he did. And in the end God says. Every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess. To Jesus as Lord. Why? Because Jesus surrendered himself. Completely to God. And I'm here to tell you. That's what we struggle with. We want to be good people. We want to be good Christians. God calls you to more. He calls you. To to death, to self. No longer your will, no longer your ways, but God's ways. And that is how you thrive. I know it's against our nature, but it's the key to true transformation. You're no longer your own. You were bought at a price. We belong to Him. Are we willing to surrender? You know, from the very beginning, this was the dream of Jesus. This is why he went to the cross. We see in Isaiah 53, and I'm going to read uh, a couple of verses from the message version, because I think it it, it makes it sound so practical. It says, still, it was God, it's, it's what God had in mind all along. To crush him with pain. Man, don't you feel it? The plan was that He give Himself as an offering for sin so that He'd see life come from it. Life, life, and more life. And God's plan will prosper through Him. Out of that terrible travail of soul, He'll see that it's worth it and be glad He did it. See, that was Jesus' vision when He was on the cross. is that He would see others be motivated by His sacrifice And out of the travail of his suffering, he'd look back and say, Yes! It was worth it for you. Because your response was to die as I have died. To become that kernel of wheat that surrenders and that produces many seeds. Are we dying? Through what he experienced, my righteous one, my servant... Will make many righteous ones as he himself carries the burden of their sins. What a great scripture. What a great vision God has for us. And every day Jesus looks at us and the question could be asked, has it been worth it? Did what he go through? Was it worth it for you? What is your response been? Are you dying as he died? Here's another scripture. Well, here's another point. To keep thriving, you must keep dying. Are you dying? Man, dying is not easy. I struggle with it every day. And we're going to talk about it more practically before we end here in just a moment. One of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible is 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15, where the Bible says, for Christ's love compels us. Because we're convinced that one did what, church? He did what? That one died for all. Where did it go? Did I lose it? Let's go back. I'm I'm hitting buttons up here. I didn't even know I was hitting. Okay, we'll start over. That's, it it doesn't hurt to repeat a point. (laughs) Okay, alright, there we go. Uh, but, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. He died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. And so we go back to John 12, where we started, where Jesus says, unless the kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. You know, it's not good To remain single, a single seed that is, but to die so you can become many seeds. You have the potential to unleash the power of God in your life, but you must be willing to lose your life, to die to yourself. What's keeping you from thriving? What's keeping you from going the extra mile to being transformed into the image of Jesus? What are you holding on to? Here's another practical scripture. Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 11. Can we get practical for a little bit here? Can we we break it down? Where here he says, put to death, therefore, what's the next word? What's the next word, church? Everybody can say, everybody say, whatever. Whatever. So if you look at this list, you might say, well, my sin's not in there. But it's covered with what word? Whatever. Put to death, therefore, whatever. He says, die to whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual morality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. You know, and I listen to a lot of sermons online. These things aren't talked about that much. Put to death, sexual immorality. You can't be a Christian and be involved in a sexual relationship with someone you're not married to. No matter what your intentions are. Now, whether we still believe that or not, that's Bible. That's God's command. And the reason that God commanded it is because life works out better when we do it God's way. He knows more about how we ought to live than we do. And so, but we're not we're not trying to be politically correct here today. We're trying to be biblically correct. Because it's only through being biblically correct that you can get to heaven. You don't have to agree with it, but it's God's way. And it's the key to thriving. Put to death, death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual morality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger. None of us struggle with anger, do we? It says you got to get rid of it. Rage. Malice. Slander. Filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self. With this practices and have put on what, church? The new self, created to be like God and true righteousness and holiness, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. This is what Jim talked about last week. We're to be transformed into the image of God. But you can't do it if you're not willing to die to sin. You can't do it if you want to continue to hold on to your old ways. It won't work. It just won't work. We've got to be willing to let these things go, to put to death these things. And we have so many opportunities in our lives each and every day. We have opportunities to die to our sinful nature. Every time there's a need in the church and you're asked to serve, it's an opportunity for you to die. Every time a family member needs assistance and and needs you to help them, there's an opportunity to die. Every time you ask to help out around the house, it's an opportunity for you to die to yourself and to say yes to serving. Every time there's a need for reconciliation in the church, it's an opportunity for you to die to yourself, to get this stuff out of your heart and out of your life. Every time you're insulted, every time you're treated unfairly, every time you're attacked, misunderstood, neglected, disrespected, or disappointed, is an opportunity for you to die to your sinful nature. And as was talked about in the communion, Jesus entrusted Himself to Him who judges justly. He, he did not retaliate. And sometimes we forget what it really means to be a Christian and we want to know, well, is it fair? Was it fair what Jesus went through? But sometimes in our marriages we can't get on, on the other side because we're talking about what's fair. So you're called to die. It's not about what's fair. It's about being righteous. And being righteous sometimes not treated fairly. That doesn't mean you can't speak up and say what needs to be said, but in the, at the end, I'm a dead man because I've surrendered all to Christ. And so I, I want to. We're not done here. We got We got to hit a few more practical things. Remember these scriptures. Sometimes we quote these scriptures. Galatians two twenty. One of our favorite scriptures. And Galatians two twenty basically says. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. Now, we even sing that. Jim sang a few songs last week in, in the sermon. Sounded pretty good. But remember, we sing this song, don't we? I have been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ who liveth in... Remember that song? They don't sing that? We're the only ones that know that. But we know the Scripture. Whether you know the song or not, you know the Scripture. Memorize that Scripture. The life I live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself with me. Every day you need to get up and you need to start your morning. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live. Because He died for me. Galatians Galatians 5.24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with his passions and desires. There he puts it in past tense. That when you went out into the waters of baptism, that's what you decided to do. To crucify. The problem is, sometimes we think it's once for all. You don't get crucified one time. Jesus died once for all. We have to die every day for all time. Because the sinful nature continues to want to come back. And we, we have to focus on things like this and ask ourselves, can this be said of my life? Now, let me ask you some questions here. What do you need to crucify or die to in your life? If you had to write it down, what would it be? Your emotions? And sometimes we think because we feel something is right. And oftentimes we live by our, our feelings and not by the word. You think Jesus felt like going to the cross? I mean, if you're raising kids, you're never going to feel like doing everything you need to do to raise them. But you better go ahead and do it. Or, or you know, kids even know the number to call now if you're not treating them right as parents. But you got to die. You, you can't have a successful marriage and just live by your feelings. Nobody feels like loving their wife, even though you say crazy things on the day you get married about what you're going to be. I mean, I sit there and I go when I hear these guys say, "You will always laugh. You will never cry." I'm just like, really? How long is I going to laugh? You know what about what about your pride? Your pride. Some of us. We don't understand why our family members don't embrace what we think is so precious and so great. I'm going to tell you what it is. It's their pride. It's not their lack of understanding. And you can be a sweet old lady and a sweet old man and still be arrogant and prideful. Pride keeps more people out of heaven than almost anything else. It's because we're unwilling to admit, I'm wrong. I need God. And there are people here this morning, and there is no greater pride than to not admit your need for God. God made you. God created you. And if there's anything good going on in your life, it's because of God. If your parents are are good people, it's because God gave them to you. You know, whatever doors have been opened for your life, you think you did it? It's God. There's no room for pride. What about dying to your appetites? Your appetites. Whatever they may be. Whatever they may be. You know, we just looked at Colossians 3, where he says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. He's talking about our appetites. I mean, do do your appetites control you, or do you control them? You know, we live in a world today where people are self-indulgent, where we're told, hey, whatever feels good, do it and it shipwreck our lives. You can't have a successful godly life if you're not willing to say no to some things. If you just go by every appetite, every urge that you have in your heart, you will kill yourself and probably kill somebody else. And and, and, and you know whatever it is, we're all bombarded or challenged by different struggles and appetites. You know, sometimes we think, well, you know, marriage is the answer to dealing with lust. No, your heart is the answer to dealing with lust. You're still going to have to say no. You're still going to see other beautiful women and other handsome men. You still have to say no. You you, you think, you, you, you wonder, well, Solomon had 700 wives. Was that enough? He wasn't dealing with his appetites. Your selfishness. This is mine. This is mine right here. And Cynthia tries to help me out with it because so many times, you know, she wants me to do things. I eventually get around to it. You know, I know there's a proverb or a parable that says about the two sons, the one that was asked and said yes, and the other one said no, but then did it. But that's not the model of a good attitude. Sam, will you? No. Would you? No. Would you like to? No. Can you? No. I, I'll do it, but it's not a good attitude. And I know there are no other husbands that, that struggle with these things except for me, but it's like selfishness is, you have to die to selfishness because that's what Jesus did. You know, one of the, the first scriptures that we ever memorize is, is Luke nine twenty three, which says if anyone would come after me, he must do what church? deny himself. Christianity 101. Are you doing that? If you got here late this morning, maybe it was the traffic, maybe it was a sick child, but oftentimes it's selfishness. You think you're so important that you can come in in here whenever you want to. and Walk over other people. It's just selfish. A lack of punctuality. It's just selfishness. Because you care more about your world than you care about others. Die to it. Why live like that? It's ugly and it's not like Christ. You're mistrust. Some of us, we don't even trust God. and We definitely don't trust anybody else. You can't be effectively discipled or helped in any area of your life unless you decide to trust somebody. Just won't work. Now, nobody's perfect, but I'm here today because I decided to trust people all my life who've helped me to see things that I don't see. And here's another thing. As awesome as you may be, you cannot see everything about yourself that you need to change. So if I'm looking in the mirror, well, you need someone else to be that mirror because you will never see it all. And, And there are. There should always be good people in your life who help you to see what you don't see. That's why some of you have the spouse that you have who who does not just go around praising you. They should encourage you. But they tell you the truth. I know that's the kind of wife God blessed me with. I'm not always thankful for it, but I am today. Your attitudes. Don't to your attitudes. I mean, what are you known for? Are you a joyful person? Thankful person? Encouraging person? Are you irritable? Are you a complainer? A griper? A grumbler? And you can even do it spiritually. says, I I want to say all this in the name of Jesus, but I just think we need to fix this. In the name of Jesus, I'm just not happy with this. I don't know why we do this, but it's all in the name of Jesus that I say these things. Well will you help with it? No, I can't help with it, but I'm just not happy with it. <laughs> then shut up then. You're not willing to help. Die. Die till you have bad attitudes. Your past hurts. Any Christian in here been hurt before? Uh huh. Yeah. See, those of you who didn't raise your hands, you hurt so bad you can't even lift your arm. <laughs> we get hurt, people. You know why you get hurt? Because you're in a church with other imperfect people who say things that sometimes they don't realize they said. And and it's it's just a matter. I mean, but how long are you going to hold on to it? What if Jesus held on to his hurts? What if if he held on to when he got sped on, when he he was uh, ridiculed? You know, when, when, when they insulted him, what if he held on to it? Praise God he didn't hold on to it. Praise God that he doesn't hold on to our past sins. But as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our sins from us. Praise God for his grace and his mercy. Do we have the same attitude? Man, some of us, we can bring up stuff. It's so old. It was done in black and white. Here we are in color. That's how old it is. Get over it. We're not thinking about it. Why are you thinking about it? And then finally, your will. What's your will? You became a Christian so that you would do God's will, not your will. You know, when I went out for my prayer time this time, I, this morning, I used Jesus' prayer as my guideline and in that prayer he says not my will but your will be done that's why i pray it and that was jesus prayer in the garden not my will but your will it needs to be your prayer not my will your will everything in life will not be fair everything in life will not work out the way that you intend for it to to, to work out but that's when you glorify god In the midst of the storm, in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the difficulty, when you say, okay, Lord, but through all of this, not my will, but your will be done. He's not going to do it on your timetable. He's not going to do it when you feel like it should be done. But he's a righteous God. He always gets it done. And your attitude has to be, not my will, but your will be done. So as we come to a close here. So we think about these things. Are we dying? You know, I uh got to go to two funerals, or at least witnessed two funerals last week, and we need to be praying for Nicole and and her family. Winston, a great loss, and what an incredible ceremony that was done on behalf of her dad. And I came back and uh, went online and I Got to see Gloria Baird's passing. And um was so impressed by all the great things that were said about her as a disciple of Jesus. And it made me think, what do I want to be remembered for when my time comes? You know, she she lived a remarkable life and didn't make the papers, there was no band playing. A lot of people in this world will never know who she was, but the eternal impact her life had, because she decided to live no longer for herself, but for him who died for her and was raised again. And, you know, as we think about our Christian life, what's the goal? We're just not denying ourselves for the sake of denying ourselves. We're doing it for God's glory. We're doing it to help one day get to heaven, to one day hear Him say, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, and there are many remarkable, amazing people in this world who we applause, who we admire, who've accomplished things that we will never accomplish, whether it's academically or scientifically or, or, or whatever it may be, financially. But they do it to get a crown that would not last. We do it to get a crown that will last forever. This is worth it. getting up and having my quiet time every day, it's worth it, even though sometimes my body doesn't want to do it. Sharing my faith and reaching out to a neighbor or a stranger or a friend, it's worth it. Saying no to sin, being faithful to my wife, it's worth it. Because of the crown. And so what does Paul say? He says, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No! I beat my body and make it my slave. So that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I die. I say no. I surrender because of the prize that awaits me. So as we come to a close here, what time is it? Alright, I'm doing good. As we come to a close, I want you to take these practical things home with you. Keep your Thrive Alive. That's how you do it. Pray daily. Stay connected to the power source. That's God. You can't do this without God. How's your prayer life? Pray every day. Make the time. The Word. Be in the Word. Meditate on the Word. The perfect law of God. You know what the Bible says? The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The commands of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The ordinance of the Lord. I mean, they are sure. They're sweeter than honey. More precious than gold. By them your servant is born. And keeping them, there is great reward. The Word of God. Man, you should feast on it. That's how you keep your thrive alive. If you're not in your Bible every day, you're dying. But you're dying the wrong kind of death. The law of the Lord, it revives the soul. Get in the Word. Obey it. Fellowship, where were you last Tuesday? Are you there? Are you at midweek? You can't keep thriving if you don't keep connecting with other people who are thriving. See, to to, to keep your fire alive, you have to be next to other hot coals. No matter how hot you are, if, you, if you're by yourself, you will eventually lose your flame. We need to rub shoulders. And we're having Wednesday night. The men, who meet this week? The men meet Tuesday. All right, Tuesday. You know what I mean. Our, our, our Wednesday is Tuesday. 7.30. I like Wednesday better than Tuesday. That's a whole other thing. But Tuesday, where are you going to be? Why won't you be there? Maybe you should go back to selfishness, huh? Why won't you be there? Why weren't you there? Where were you? Talking about you want to keep your thrive alive. How are you going to keep your thrive alive? Just me and Jesus and the Holy Spirit ain't enough. You need us too. And we need you. We need you to be there. Alright? As I've said many times, the Lord is coming on a Tuesday night. <laughs> the lost. Reach out. Share, share the good news. You never know who's open. And I'm trying to reach some people myself. You know, I, I was trying to reach this guy... And I'm praying, and and I ran into him on my prayer walk. I said, all right, this is good. He says he's coming next Sunday. We'll see. I hope he doesn't lie. But reach out. Whether people are responding or not, keep reaching out. Keeps your thrive alive. And then finally, count your blessings. Count your blessings. We have so much more to be thankful for than we could ever imagine. And when I get a little negative and I get a little down, I go back and I consider all the good that God has done for me. These 40 plus years, I've been a disciple of Jesus Christ. And how he even protected my life before I ever became a Christian. And put me in the exact place I needed to be to meet the right people that I needed to meet so I could become a disciple. And he saved me from so much Wickedness and craziness that I would have fallen into if I didn't become a Christian when I was just 18 years old. And then all he's done since then, he's given me Cynthia, he's given me Christina, he's given me Lauren, he's even given me Kosi. He's given me all of you. He's given me, he's given me all of you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. He's blessed you. Count your blessings. And today you might be saying, well, I got this thing in my life that's not the way I want it to be. That's so you can die. So you can surrender. So you can crucify your sinful nature and become more like Him. Keep your thrive alive. God bless you. you just listened to the Westchester Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit westchester.nyccoc.net.